0: What's up, baseball fans? Welcome back. Rounding third, the Baseball Podcast, episode nine.
1: Today, I consider, I consider myself, myself the luckiest, luckiest man, man on the face, on the of, the face of the earth. let's jump into it um we we've got some some good news some pretty disappointing news um with the lockout i think that's going to be our first topic but first of all episode nine glad to be back for another episode um it was really fun doing our episode last week we got a lot of good news a lot of good reviews um talking about the hall of fame talking about the lockout do you have anything to say about last week's episode
0: Man, they got a lot of positive feedback on the intro, so happy we got so many guys who love uh, Lou Gehrig and uh, getting a little saucy with the intro. Um, I mean, as for the episode, that was awesome. Um, Really, the baseball community felt like it was in full force last week with the Hall of Fame, Barry Bonds, uh, snubbery, if you will, Um, everyone, you know, baseball fans and non-baseball fans alike, casuals, everyone was out of their little wormholes, their foxholes, uh, to talk about the sport that we all love. So that was exciting. Uh, Unfortunately, it looks like we're going to unpack some news today that we may not be getting that level or all those fans uh, or casuals back in the game for a little bit. But we'll get into all that, some fun stuff, MLB The Show, Cover Athlete, we're going to go over that. Uh, we got some fun topics, uh, and we're going to hit one of our old recurring segments, Hall of Fame or not. Uh, All of that coming up. Max, you want to lead us off with how we want to start? Uh, sad news first, and then maybe bring the mood up a little bit. What do you think?
1: Yeah, let's do it. We, you know, we like we like starting off the podcast with some current news, and there's really nothing more current than the lockout, and really no more no other news than the lockout. So we are recording this on Thursday, February third. On February first, the MLB and the MLB Players Association met once again. And things are not looking good.
0: They're looking catastrophically bad. I, I, I'll pull the punch.
1: Right. I mean, basically, the MLB has now said that they are not going to make a counterproposal anymore. Um, the MLB is hiring a federal mediator to help with the negotiations. If that, I mean, that just shows you how bad things are going. But a tweet from Jeff Passan on uh, Tuesday said, "The meeting between the Major League Baseball Players Association and MLB is over. Little progress was made. The on-time opening of spring training at this point is in grave danger, and frankly, would take a miraculous deal coming together to to rescue it. A delay feels inevitable. And and just today, like I mentioned." the MLB is getting a federal mediator to come in. They're basically standing, standing with their deal. They're not going to make any more counter proposals, basically saying the players have to take what we want or we're not going to see any baseball. It's really not looking good. I, I see a very low percent chance that we see spring training start on time. I, there's no way we see pitchers and catchers reporting on time. And I, I don't even want to talk about the season starting on time yet. I don't think we're there yet, even though it looks like we're getting in that direction. Let's just try to push that off for now. But, I mean, this isn't great news, James.
0: Yeah, I mean, kit, pitchers and catchers should have been reporting mid-February. Uh, so, of course, when we're at a point right now where the MLB just said, no, flat out, we're done talking, we're done negotiating, let's start bringing in some arbitrators, um, some mediators, and see if they can't hash out an agreement this is bad Uh, the other thing that I want to point out is that now we're running into this time crunch where things definitely aren't going to get done in time for for everything to start as it directly should have right as you said let's delay full panic mode and running around screaming that the season's over and this is 1994 again but it's important to note that there definitely are going to be some delays, but with the first six weeks, MLB locked out the players, which is the, the protocol of saying, okay, we're renegotiating. We're doing this. There wasn't a single meeting in those first six weeks. Now you look at the uh, situation we're in now, if we would have had that six weeks, maybe we would be having a little bit of a different story today. So I'm, that's not lost on me. I'm putting the sole blame on that. on Rob Manfred who has the power to call these meetings, uh, and did not, you know, of course, you wanted to enjoy the holiday vacation. That's nice, but now it's at the expense of your everyday fans. And on a side note on this topic, I just want to talk. A great follow is Marcus Strowman on Twitter. He has been relentlessly going off. Oh, He's yeah. liking tweets that Rob Manfred's the worst thing to happen to baseball. He's talking about how he feels bad for the fans more than anyone. So good follow. Go check out his account. Uh, it's just sad, Max. I mean, I'm sad. I'm itching for baseball. And the thought that we may not be getting it, you know, terrifies me. And not to mention, we can't even have free agent signing. I have to stay up every night at least half an hour a night. I'm thinking about, is Clayton Kershaw going to be a Los Angeles Dodger? And I'm no, nowhere closer to getting that answer than I was four months ago.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is – it really is depressing. It's really devastating. Um, it just seems like the MLB doesn't really want to um, – give the players anything that they're asking for. And, and, you know, the debate about whether they deserve what they're asking for or not is a whole different question. And we don't need to get into the core economic issues that we've touched on repeatedly in the past, but it's really, it's really depressing. And I think one thing I want to talk a little bit about is this federal mediator that only just today um, they said they're going to have. So this is basically a government official coming in and is going to, basically mediate between the players' arguments and the, the ownership's arguments to kind of, I guess, be some type of jury. They're not coming in to, to make a decision, but they're kind of focused on the process and coming to a conclusion. But interestingly enough, um, they, they actually did have a mediator uh, in 1994 during that lockout. And former MLB, uh, MLBPA head Don Fair so MLB Players Association, um, in 2019, he said regarding the mediation in 1994 he said it was a joke it had no value and there were all kinds of agendas at work in the mediation that had nothing to do with the agendas of the parties trying to resolve the dispute so i mean that's pretty anecdotal and it's over 20 years ago but i mean it's it's not a good sign and and with the mlb refusing to make a counter proposal and both sides still standing very far apart on some of the core issues in the lockout. I mean, I don't even know what to expect at this point. We're going to need to see mounds to move to get this thing to, to come on time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just terrible, and ultimately you have the owners which are fighting for their piece, and the players are fighting for the, their piece, and really the people who lose most in this. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm, I, I fully support or not support, I understand both perspectives. Look, we're the best in the game. Baseball is not baseball without the players, right? No one wants to see an 85-year-old guy stand up there and swing in the box. Absolutely not. Give me Fernando Tatis. So I get they want their value. I get owners are like, hey, this is my thing. You know, I did the upfront investment, whatever. But the the people losing are fans. It's your everyday fans whose life and day goes better when they get home from work and can toss on their favorite ball game. how they can deal with the unbearable heat of summer and the dog days of summer by watching their team push for a playoff spot. It's the people who love this game day in, day out. They're the ones paying the price. And I will say after 1994, a huge chunk of MLB fans just stopped. They just gave up because no other sport do you see stuff like this where they just – quit on you know, I mean basketball will lock out for a couple months maximum in the off season. maybe run in and miss a couple games hockey will miss a couple games but baseball is willing to completely miss seasons and that is just ridiculous
1: yeah and, and real quick on the NBA thing they have missed seasons the 99 season was shortened and we remember the lockout. I think it was I mean I think it was the 2011 season it was they, I, I it was somewhere yeah, in the early seasons. 2010s but yeah shortened seasons but I mean the MOB, we've touched on the lockout before. We've touched on the history of the lockouts, I should say, in the past. Um, but it really seems like the MOB is standing their ground and they don't care. They they'll let the season um they'll let the season pass, which is I mean, we don't know the details of the financials, but it seems shocking given the massive revenue loss from the COVID season just a couple of years ago. So well it's I mean it's I, very weird be
0: the claim is Hey, we need to capture our revenue back. We lost all this money from COVID, but then the action that they take is, yeah, we'll sit out this entire season and lose a full year of TV revenue, a full year of uh, sponsorship revenue, a full year of Fans ticket in revenue. The stands. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's merchandise, everything. Cuz who's who's going to be out here when baseball's locked out buying 3 or 4 jerseys? I mean, you'd have to be a lunatic. So, it, you know, the actions don't necessarily match with the verbiage there. And, you know, the negotiations, one that I'll just point to is the uh, arbitration pool. It's a real easy one to see just how far of a calamity these negotiations <laughs> are. You had the players ask for $105 million in the pre arbitration player pool. The owner said, Great, best we can do is 10 And the players said, Okay, we can negotiate $100 million. The players dropped down 5 which was a nice concession considering the owners responded with $10 million, uh, which was one tenth of it. So, I mean, it's just there. They're not even on different pages. They're in different books. They're in different sections of the library right now. Uh, I just hope someone can, you know, come in and save this. I know Max Scherzer has been one of the player representatives that's actually uh, part of these meetings. So hopefully he can maybe say something. I don't know. But I, I just want baseball to come back, Yeah, you know, however that happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm praying. I'm praying. And, and I guess on on our own note – you know, we want some baseball news to talk to you guys about. We want some current news, some free agents, some games, some, you know, we want, we want all that to talk to you guys about. And, unfortunately, it's not looking that way right now. And I guess all we can really do is cross our fingers and hope for the best at this point. I mean, we're just playing the waiting game like everybody else and hoping for the best, I, I guess. I mean, James, you got anything s- else to add to this?
0: Yeah, I got a couple of things. One I would just say it would be – in some ways very comedic uh, for us to start a baseball podcast going into one of these mega lockouts uh, which it's fine we will still be here for you folks we just are always digging and working for stories and we would love to just give you some recaps um, one thing i do want to say is r- the big difference in the mediation and all this is really around the core economic issues they actually have been reaching some terms um, with some non-core economic things so uh what i mean it's like a 12 team playoff format has been proposed um the mlb did propose a universal dh uh it's pretty well agreed to now reading different tweets you know john hayman bob nightingale you have some folks saying it's pretty much a lock that the universal dh is going to be a part of the cba both sides are in favor of it uh so that's good news because I really wanted that. Of course, it's hard to get too excited when we may not have a season. Um, and of course, I'll, I, I want to wait till that's an official rule, but that would be great. And the last note on the lockout I know you said let's not worry about the season being canceled. But if the season does not start by April 15th, which will be the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier, I will be irate, absolutely irate beside myself. Uh, and I may. Uh, ask you, Max, if we can record a personal podcast for Rob Manfred and the owners <laughs> as an address <laughs> to them. But that that's where I'm at with the lockout. I'm over it. Let's play baseball, guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Alright, turning to some some good news in baseball, rare these days, but um, we've got news regarding the, the big-time MLB game, MLB the show. They just announced their new cover athlete and is anybody surprised who it is, than one and only Shohei Otani, unanimous AL MVP? Uh, we did a whole episode on how amazing he was this past season. I mean, obvious choice, I would say. What do you think? Well, I
0: would say obvious choice. I really want to direct everyone to the Twitter account, though, rounding third now, uh, the 3RD, because uh, Fox Sports MLB hit out a thing about a week ago which says, who should be on the cover of MLB The Show? It was such an easy thing that I just responded with a gif of Shohei Otani. Said, you know, the dude's name is literally Sho. Of course, sure. they put him on the cover. I mean, he, he had a season we haven't seen in 100 years. I mean, it was a no-doubter. I think if they put anyone else on the cover, it would be, quite frankly, shocking. Um, you know, and the cover it looks pretty cool. They got a picture of him running the bases, and then on the left side a picture of him batting, and the right side a picture of him pitching. Kind of compliments what he brings to the table. My big beef is they had the best opportunity I've ever seen for a marketing thing. They could have this year done MLB the show and made it SHO and left out the W, and that would have been so cool. Yeah, uh, of course, great. they screwed it up. They screwed it up. I mean it would have been – I understand maybe some trademark things could have gotten weird there, but that would have been awesome. But Shohei Otani, cover athlete, he's there. He definitely deserved it. Um really, that's what there is. I'll be excited.
1: Um, no, and I'll just jump real quick. There's also the, uh, you mentioned the cover of the regular one. There's also the, the MVP edition that they're putting out, which is a manga kind of anime theme, um, show, you know, representing Japanese culture. It's pretty awesome. I mean, he's holding a bat that's on fire. He's wearing this crazy Jersey. Um, it's a pretty cool. He's got a bat in his holster. It's, it's a pretty awesome cover um, So I, I think that's pretty cool and important in that as well Yeah, and I'm pretty sure um, i trying to
0: see if I can't get a fact check on this um, But I'm pretty sure the game is set to release uh, on April 5th um, yep, that's what I'm saying Okay, yeah April 5th that'll come out available for pre-order now Uh I will say, if we're locked out of baseball, uh, I definitely will be getting that one. Of course, have MLB The Show uh, 21. Now it's going to be hard for me. I have The Jackie Robinson edition it will be hard for me to part ways with that. Uh, another thing on this topic is that it was going around Twitter that Nintendo screwed up and leaked that the limited edition version was Derek Jeter. It has since been confirmed those were photoshops. So it's unknown what the limited edition is, but there is always a different. You have the cover athlete show Shohei. You have the MVP version with his alternate cover, and then uh, it appears there's going to be a third designation, probably more. They like to do a more classic uh, type player. I think it would be pretty cool to do Babe Ruth and maybe incorporate Babe Ruth and Shohei um, because that is the comparison. Could be a fun way to do it. Um, I don't know. I have a ton of great ideas about this game. It's a shame that I haven't been hired by EA San Diego Studios yet on this game.
1: So hook me up. <laughs> Give me I've a job. i this game, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to get this game, too. Uh, maybe we'll have some MLB The Show segments talking about our, our players if we don't have anything else to talk about. Um, right. Quite, maybe we'll, I, we'll I simulate ask,
0: some seasons.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I want to ask you, though, I mean, who 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 else do you think could have been the cover athlete? I mean, we talked about Joe Shohei is the obvious choice. But, do, I mean, is there anybody else you maybe would have wished was it?
0: Yeah, I think there's – I think there's a couple. One I would have looked at is Vlad Guerrero. I mean, we mentioned we've covered that crazy AL MVP race, but when you have a kid that young who's kind of the face, that would have been awesome. I think with Tatis being the cover last year, since they're so similar, you know, second-generation mlb or kid, but awesome, that would have been tough. I saw one suggestion, which was uh, Brett Phillips on the cover, which that would have been just hilarious. Um, I don't think he could have (laughs) given him the – cover athlete but I mean it's hard to think about you know Shohei had such a dominant just dominant dominant season that it's like I, I don't know I mean I don't know anyone from the National League that you really could give it to I mean
1: no yeah just, I, I mean I'm, tough. I'm with you when I would you know we were posing this question to each other that we wanted to maybe talk about what other covers would we want to see um, and, and it just Shohei is such a An obvious choice that it really shouldn't be anybody else and i know you mentioned vladimir guerrero jr um and he would be a great cover i mean he would be a great cover athlete the problem is he lost the al mvp unanimously to shohei like if you're going to give it to vlad why wouldn't you give it to shohei so and, and also, funny enough, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. was on the cover of MLB 2006, one year before MLB The Show became an annual franchise. I'm sure Vlad Jr. will get his, get his chance. Um, I mean, I would say that my next pick would be Tatis if he wasn't on the cover last year. You know, he's kind of one of these flashy faces of baseball. But I mean, he can't beat it on two years in a row, so that rules him out. Maybe a guy like Juan Soto. I mean, one of these young faces of the league. Maybe Degrom if he didn't get hurt and he was able to keep up his stellar season. But no, Shohei is the obvious choice, um, and it's it's a really awesome cover, and I'm gonna I'm glad to see him there.
0: Yeah, I think it's great for the brand and growing the game that they're really embracing these young stars and throwing them. And I said, you know, with allowing it to go on all the consoles. What they started with uh, last year and with Tatis. It was huge. There was definitely a month in the gaming sector where you are on Twitch or whatever. And MLB The Show was like the thing. Like, it's, you know, people aren't playing 2K Madden. It's even non-baseball friends are playing MLB The Show. So I love to see what they're doing there. And I think it was such a slam dunk. I mean, it was one of the most or the most unique season we've seen in 100 years. Unanimous MVP. There was really no other option they could have done with it. That's why I was confident enough to tweet about it. It, it's just – it had to be done. And the fact that they didn't nail the marketing of MLB The Show with The Show on it, that drives me nuts because it's like <laughs> that's also a slam dunk. But, uh, yeah, congrats to Shohei. Excited to get the game. Um, I mean, I hope he's a weapon in that. He's a weapon in MLB The Show 21 already. So you better believe I got him out there uh, playing outfield, hit the bump occasionally
1: in relief. Um, he's something. Yeah, well-deserved. Another – I guess you could say accolade and what you said was a historic career. Um, Hopefully he keeps it up or a historic season. I should say, hopefully he keeps it up moving into the 2023 season. Um, And I guess pray for the best pray for him. I I mean, this was this was a win for MLB the show. Um, Awesome cover, awesome game. So let's move um, on to. Sorry, can go ahead. I
0: just I actually have one th- one more thing to touch on because I know I, I mentioned that we still don't know about that that kind of older player cover. I think the direction they should go for there, and I just want to kind of speak it into existence. Considering all the Hall of Fame drama, and the fact that David Ortiz is really one of the first uh, of, of the younger baseball fans, you know, fans in their their early twenties, their you know, early thirties. He's really the first like. Hall of Fame player that we've got to watch of that caliber. Not the first because, you know, you you had uh, some options here there. But I, I think it would be a no-brainer and great selection to throw Big Poppy on it uh, just to kind of speak to the fans who really got to see him. Uh, but we'll see. I also thought the Babe Ruth idea would be stellar. So we'll see what the people uh, dream up. But the yeah, main cover— I think both those
1: options is—sorry, go ahead.
0: No, that's I was just going to say the main cover is fire. But we'll see what they do with the uh, premium.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, uh, a Hall of Fame edition with Big Poppy on it would be would be pretty good. It'd be tough to choose between the manga MVP Shohei edition and the 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 Big Poppy one. And the Babe Ruth the Babe Ruth idea is also good. Um, I just feel like Big is more relevant uh, given the recent events. Um, but but yeah, people compare Shohei to Big Poppy or Shohei to Babe Ruth. I guess I guess we'll see. That'll be interesting to see. I honestly didn't even know they did another cover, but. Um, I I knew they did two. I knew they had the MVP edition, which is Shohei, um, or at least an alternate version. But yeah, I guess we'll see who they put on that cover. Um, our next topic, speaking of kind of these hall of fame topics, we are going to do our second edition of hall of fame or not. If you remember, uh, I think about a month ago, we did our first one we covered Clayton Kershaw and Instead Unanimous. Of a this time, yeah, easy. Instead of a, a pitcher this time, we're going to do a catcher. We have recent retiree, the San Francisco Giant, longtime catcher, Buster Posey. Uh, and
0: I just, before we dive into this, I want to preface with the fact that there's a lot of potential for me to be biased in this because Buster Posey has hurt me mentally and emotionally. Many many times over the course of his illustrious career with the Giants, who are obviously the Dodgers' rival. But I'm coming into this, you know, fair place evaluating him on the career he had. And I will say, as much as some of that was annoying, I I always thought Buster Poole's Posey was kind of cool, good for the sport. I mean, he was just one of those catchers. Him and Yachty really went back and forth as like the catchers of our generation when we were growing up. Of like, all right, these are savages behind the dish. Like, these are the guys.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, I kind of had uh, some sort of preconceived notion about what I thought of Buster Posey's Hall of Fame chances coming into this episode and then doing more research. There's a lot of variables in it. You know, it's not super clear cut. I I mean, I am leaning semi heavily one way, but it's interesting. So Buster Posey um, on Thursday, uh, back in November, He announced his retirement at the age of 34. Uh, He just completed a nine-year, $169 million contract that he signed in 2013. He did have a club option for the next season, which you can only assume the Giants would pick up after he slashed three or four last season. But he chose to step away from the game. Um, He decided to opt out of the 2020 COVID season um, that a lot of people might remember. I believe he had twin girls, or at least twins, during that year, and that's one of the major reasons he decided to step away from the shortened season, but a career giant, uh, batted 302 for his career, 158 homers, 1,500 hits, won the 2010 NL Rookie of the Year, the 2012 NL MVP, was obviously a three-time world champion on the 2010, 2012, and 2014 San Francisco Giants in their uh, sort of dynasty five years where they won three in five years. Um, seven-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger. He only won one gold glove, um, and that's obviously because the one and only Yadier Molina won it every single other year. From 2008 to 2015, Yadier won every single gold glove, and then Buster was finally able to sneak one in in 2016. So, I mean, you can't really hold that against him, but he would have gotten more gold gloves if, wanted, if it uh, wasn't for the one and only Yadier. But really good career. I mean, Tommy's career just, batting average over 300 as a as a as a catcher is awesome. Plus, a, a bunch of silver sluggers, a bunch of all stars. James, what do you have to say?
0: I just want to one stat correction on you. He's up to five silver sluggers. He in fact didn't uh, earn oh, a silver damn. slugger in his last season. <laughs> um, but you know, I also in some ways want to protest what what you said because I think the Gold Gloves do matter, and I understand like. Yeah, he's in a tough position because the guy in front of him, Yachty, is I think bar none the best catcher that we've seen in the game in 20 years. I mean, he's a maniac behind the plate. Defensively. But, yeah, defensively. And it's like, but when you're talking about the Hall of Fame and you're talking about specifically Cooperstown, the hardest Hall of Fame. I mean, it matters. It, it matters. And it's like, okay, if you want to be there, you generally have to be the best player in your position group through your career. That's pretty much the recipe for being in the Hall of Fame. And there's not really many exceptions to that.
1: You know? I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I mean, one gold glove isn't amazing, but uh, you have to. Also, have to think that like gold gloves are hard to come by. You know, one catcher in each league gets one. Excuse me, each year, and so they're not they're not all or nothing. You know, he still has a great chance to be in the Hall of Fame regardless of his, his gold glove status. Um, but it, it is important to note, like you said, I mean, you got to be the best of your position to get into Cooperstown. It's a very exclusive club that we've talked about over and over again. Um and only having one is, you know, maybe a, a a mark on his career, even though his wins above replacement, his uh FanDuel's version of wins above replacement are both extraordinarily high for a catcher. Um but it is definitely a mark. And I think there are other marks on his career as well. Specifically that it was a pretty short career. You know, he only played uh eleven, twelve seasons. Um it would put him if he if he does retire and goes in the hall of fame he'd play 1300 or 1371 games which is the 96th most in mlb history um, so he's not high up on played games he's only 34 years old so he's cutting his career short and as we've seen last season he's still able to produce at a high level i mean slashing 304 and leading the surprise giants to the nls title he clearly still got it um But I don't know if you can really count that against him. Um, Looking back in his career, I mean, the the three World Series that he won in 2010, 2012, and 2014, one of those being his rookie year, he was arguably the best player on all of those teams. And to be the best player on three World Series titles, it, it does say a lot. And he just kind of seems like a Hall of Fame type player, just his demeanor, just the way he carries himself, the way he... The way he's performed throughout these years, but well, I mean, what do you what do you think? What are what are some of the variables that you consider when when thinking about Buster Posey in his career? Well, I guess I'll, I'll lay it out
0: real quick. And so we kind of touched on in my opinion what the two cons are, which is not you know, and, we, and we've talked about this in previous episodes how important the position of catcher is. It's the hardest on a diamond. I think it's arguably the most important. Most important is tough because if the pitcher is bad, it Nothing else matters, but definitely the hardest and so I think your knocks are duration of career Like you said, I think the gold gloves is a little bit of a knock. But in fairness. Let me look at the pros. I evaluate I mean three World Series. That's not a joke World Series are freaking hard to win three of them is incredible I mean that it is nothing short of incredible. He notched the MVP That's gonna really help the candidate notched a rookie of the year that one-two punch is gonna help Seven time All-Star with five times silver slugger, that will help. I would have liked to see, and I think maybe that's it, is like, yes, five silver slugger is still very good. I mean, of course, that I means he was the best offensively in his position in his league five times. But if you're gonna only be the one gold glove guy, the you know, not known for defense guy, you need to be a savage in the box, as Aaron Boone would put it. I wanna see the numbers a little higher there. And that's why I think Buster Posey really is a great candidate here, because you really could go either way, and there's a solid argument either way. But as you said, he's just not looking at the the stats, not looking at the awards, looking at the eye test, the feeling test. I mean, right. when as a Dodger fan, sit down, and you would see some of these these lineups that San Francisco marched out last year, two years ago, where you're like, oof, a lot of those guys, and not worried about. No matter what, oh, okay, Buster Posey's here. All right, they're they're fine. You know, they got a guy. He knows it to do level. And I think he was a huge part, huge part of last year's team. I don't think that, I think that team, his war obviously for the season was 3.5, and that's the statistical measure. But everything he could do in the locker room and the league and being a professional, I think it's probably way more accurate to say that, that war should have been around 20. I mean, for all those young kids that he was keeping their head in the game. So that's it. He's got the presence. He's got maybe the accolades or a lot of the accolades you like to see. Um, And the stats aren't bad. I mean, batting career 300 with 1,500 hits as a catcher, which you have to remember your batting stats are going to be a little bit different. So, honestly, just batting 300 as a catcher is pretty nuts.
1: Yeah. I mean, you touched on a lot of good points there. Um, I I like what you said about the eye test because I think that is is a huge thing for him. And, you know, I don't – what does the eye test even mean? I mean, you know, I think you could say that i it's his demeanor. It's the way he carries himself. Um, and I think it does mean a lot in terms of his Hall of Fame standing. And I like what you said about his leadership last year. I think he was, I think he definitely was the central part of that team and the central reason that they were able to play so well. Obviously, they had some pitchers coming out of the woodwork, like Kevin Gossman and these others, and Brandon Belt having an amazing, uh, or Brandon Crawford having an amazing season. But he was the central piece of that of that team and coming off the COVID season, coming off the year he took off and able to perform at that level really speaks a lot. And there's there's a lot to unpack with his career because he really, even though it was short, he had a pretty crazy career starting at 2010. His his rookie campaign where he won rookie of the year and finished 11th in MVP voting. They won the World Series that year and he he caught every single inning in all 15 of their postseason games and then he came back the next year in 2011 and a lot of people remember the the posy rule um, which basically forbid home plate collisions because he broke a bone in his lower left leg and injured his ankle after a huge collision at the plate and the the injury totally ended his sophomore campaign his second season and they adjust the rule because of that awful collision comes back the next year in 2012 and has his maybe his best season at a 336 batting average 24 homers and led them he started in the all-star game and led them to their second world series in three years um and obviously it keeps going from that they didn't win the world series the next year but were able to win their third and then san francisco had some down years for a while kind of at the the la- latter half of the 2010s um some of their rotation weren't pitching as well in 2017 they only won 64 games but then this extraordinary bounce back season in 2021 after he took the year off I mean nobody saw this Giants team really doing anything this year the NL West was dominated with headlines of the Dodgers and the Padres it was the MLB's next greatest rivalry and maybe it is but the Giants were like not so fast we've got a we've got a strong core of players some veterans some young guys who can really step up um, Buster Posey, Evan Longoria, a lot of these old guys who were really able to step up and lead this team to an NOS title. Um, I think it speaks a lot to who he is as a player. You know, he came into the league in, the, in 2010 and immediately was a winner. I mean, when winning three World Series in his first five years, he got that postseason experience. He got that, that deep in the playoff postseason, what it's like to be in those big moments and then to to carry that and lead this team to a really remarkable season speaks a lot to him but this is about his hall of fame chances which which combines all sorts of factors as we touched on last week i i i think he is a hall of famer i think he will be a hall of famer i don't think he'll be a first ballot hall of famer but i think he'll get it i mean he's had a great career a short but great career and like you said the eye test He 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 has a cool calm demeanor he's always um he's always a threat when he steps in the plate he's the quarterback sitting behind home plate always watching i think he i think he's a hall of famer
0: yeah i think one thing that i want to just touch on is is you kind of brought up you know the NOS rivalry and it's hard to not insert into it And this is going to sound bizarre. I'm happy the Giants did what they did last season because it drove me nuts that the Padres came out of left field, won a couple games two seasons ago, and were like, yeah, we're LA's biggest rival. And it's like, "No, no, 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 you're not disrupting 150 years of a rivalry because you got a stud shortstop like just absolutely not so in some ways it was really nice and of course i got the the great you know dodgers did not want a world series but knocking the giants for the first time out of the postseason when they had a great year had the best year in their franchise for regular season wins that was almost more than a world series quite frankly especially since we were coming off one so that was great as to the actual question that we're looking at here It's a tough one. I I really am kind of torn and it could go either way here, but I think you have to remember it's based on the writers voting. And I think on that, and like you said, this is not a first ballot guy. I will guarantee you I'll put money down right now. He's not a first ballot guy. There's not a chance. But I do think he could be a year over a year climber. You get a couple names dropped off here or there, you know, year eight, nine and ten. Things start to look, you know, maybe high 60s, you know, really what could happen here. But the thing is the writers are going to vote somewhat on that eye test. And like no matter how you slice it, for his 12-year career, every year of his 12-year career outside of when his leg was smashed into pieces and he couldn't play, and maybe 2019 when when everything was just on a downtrodden, he was a top three catcher in the sport the whole time, the whole time, for sure. for wire for sure. to wire and i think that you know that means something and then you check the stats and he's got he's got the stats there you can't diminish him i mean for god's sake the guy slashed over 300 what is that one two three four five five times as a catcher averaged over 300 for the career then you pull okay well he's won the world series he's won an mvp he has some silver sluggers. He has the all star appearances. There's just not enough stuff, in my opinion, to knock him down. And he was—he's a super likable guy. And of course, we can see off this last ballot that pretty much the writers at this point are just voting for who they like. Uh, so I think all that bodes to say that I think either year eight, nine, or ten, I do think Buster Posey gets into the Hall of Fame. Do I agree with it? I'm still split. I don't think I would be opposed to it, but I think if I'm a writer, I don't know if I put him on my ballot, but I certainly am not opposed to Buster Posey being
1: a Cooperstown. That's my Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I I see what you're saying. I personally would, would put him on my ballot. I think he's one of those guys. Um, he's proved it over and over again. He's a winner. He can hit. He's a leader behind the plate. His wins above replacement has proved he's a great player. Um, he in 11 seasons he made 7 all-star appearances. He won rookie of the year. He won worlds, he won MVP. Basically in a second league season in the MLB. I mean, he had his rookie campaign, then missed the whole second season basically and then came back won MVP. But like you said, the vote, the writers might vote on eye test, which I think he passes. I mean, he's a super likable guy, um carries himself very well. Has the stats? I think I would vote him in, um, but like you said, it, it does it does really matter what we think. I think he gets in. You think he gets in? You wouldn't vote for him, which I think is interesting. I would. We'll see when he gets in. You say let's kind of his last chance year eight nine ten. I actually think it might. I don't know. I think it might be third or fourth year. To be honest, I think I think he will get in. I think he's just one of those guys. Let us know what you guys think because I, I think it's I think it's a debate much more than our last topic or our last uh, Hall of Fame or not, Clayton Kershaw. This is much more of a debate. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting career. I think
0: on the Clayton Kershaw thing, the Hall of Fame, like if you don't put that guy in, there was no pitcher from the, t- this 20-year span that was getting into the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, I'm not right. worried that he, he's probably going to be a first or second ballot guy. Uh You know, I want to I want to stick with my answer, but I do I do think if I sat with it long enough, if you actually told me, let's say I'm a writer and you told me it's year 10 and somehow this would be completely illegal and tampering. But the association comes to me and goes, you are the tie breaking ballot. Like you are literally it. You're either going to push him to 75 or he's going to be 74.8 year 10. Like you decide ultimately, I think at that point, then maybe I have to check the box. I think maybe I do just because I really can't imagine with, with what he has been to the sport in his career, him not being there. There's just those arguments against it that I have some trepidation. But, yeah, I mean, if the, if it was fully on me, maybe I could be convinced. But certainly I would never be opposed to it. Like I would never be like, oh, my God, Buster Posey's in the Hall of Fame. This is ridiculous. No, he, he certainly has earned a spot there uh, if he gets one, and I think we both are in agreement he's going to get one.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I also think it comes into uh, you have to think about what, uh, what other players are on the ballot. And I think if, if you would maybe see some of the other players on the ballot, it could change your opinion. Um, but, but who knows, it could have also changed my opinion. Um, but I think that covers it. I think we're kind of in agreement here, right? I would say we both think he will eventually get in the hall of fame. You would agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, it, I don't see how they can keep him out as he said with the ballots and everything you got to look over that span that era I don't I don't think that there's that many players that are, have picked up careers like that so yeah I think he gets in.
1: How about our last topic you want to kind of kick this one off this was your idea you you saw a tweet yeah. somewhere you go ahead. Let me, let me go ahead and try and uh, pull
0: up the, the tweet. Actually, it was from the Cespedes Family Barbecue account, which was awesome. If you love baseball, go follow it. Just always tweeting out fun little things. And this actually tweeted a couple weeks ago, but we've been so slam covering news, we uh, kind of put it on the back burner. But this is just, you know, in the spirit of any of the great baseball movies, which, by the way, baseball, if any of the different sports, definitely is the best movies made about it. Because, like, in the other sports, you can pick, like, Friday Night Lights, remember the – like there's one or two to choose from. a Baseball, there is a handful. You could interview ten people and they could all have different favorite baseball movies. But it's who would you want to see a baseball movie made about now? Just like any player, I would say comment – you know, let's keep it. If a player just retired, that's fine. Not really what I have in mind. But like what player would you say, Ben, there should be a movie about this guy, maybe his career, and then maybe why because there's a lot of different spinoffs you could –
1: you could do to talk about why. Yeah, so I tried to get a little abstract here. I was <clears throat> I was trying to think of you know not any obvious answer, who would be an interesting story, who would be an interesting movie, who had an interesting career. And it actually didn't take me long to think of this player, even though I wouldn't say it's super obvious. And in his story is not finished, but I would I, my movie would be the Okay, I got to prepare this. My, my movie would be What Could Have Happened, The Rise and Fall of Yasiel Puig. Because I think Yasiel Puig has really an extraordinary career. Um, he came into the league at 22 in 2013 and was kind of like this 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 new kid on the block, this super fast, aggressive, rugged player who's batting 319. Um Really just putting up hitting stats across the board. And he played amazing for the Dodgers. For, for really two years, he played top level. And then for the next three years, you know, he was still batting around 260, 270. And then by the time he turned 27, he got in a big trade with uh the cincinnati reds ended up going to cincinnati and then to cleveland and now he's in korea he played in the mexican summer league he's just kind of out of the league and i think you look at somebody with so much raw talent and then him just kind of falter not really find his place not really find his fit it would be a really interesting story to cover from his whole rise in cuba to coming to the mlb to getting in some um off the field issues not really being a great locker room guy and then ultimately getting tossed around the to different teams and then finding his way out of the league and now at this point he signed a one year deal in korea and he said he wants to come back to the mlb and i hope he can he's he'll be 20 he'll be 31 soon so kind of getting up there in age but he had so much raw talent. I feel like the potential was there, but he wasn't able to hone it and stay focused and, and really be a major player in the league. Yeah, that
0: you know that's a great one. Uh, just to round that out, I'll provide some of the context because I know some, some of the Yasiel Puig stuff. One, I just want to point out, outside of maybe Clayton Kershaw, there has not been a more beloved Los Angeles player since the 2010s on and it blows my mind you would never know that but like if you're in dodger stadium there's still peak jerseys everywhere they sell like crazy i mean that they loved him he made mlb the show the cover after his rookie year um his story as you said he came from cuba but he actually uh was on some part of makeshift raft got to mexico crossed the border illegally And then had to reverse engineer his way to getting essentially asylum and a green card to play baseball. Uh, But obviously had to get out of Cuba first because, you know, Cuba problematic. We'll leave it at that. Um, A a completely electric player. I mean, I honestly thought for a while, like, yeah, this guy's going to be the reason L.A. wins a World Series. Like he's bound to win a World Series MVP be the star. And he was there. I mean, he was there in the 2017 team that should have won a world series and got robbed out of their rightful world series. Um, but even then he wasn't really a contributing factor. He was your seven or eight guy, just kind of chilling, but the, the talent is crazy. Uh, and then you had some off the field allegations. Um, the favorite moment to me of Yasiel Puig's career has to be, he was on the reds and in the middle of a game was traded to the Indians. Now the guardians. <laughs> And but before they relayed this to him and got him off the field and pack your bags and and go on I-71 North for my Ohio listeners, uh, he actually got into a brawl, an all-out brawl by himself with like four Pirates. And it's hilarious because (laughs) if you're on Twitter, you're like, oh, Yasiel Puig got traded. And then if you watch an MLB, he's in a Reds jersey fighting Pittsburgh Pirates players. While a member of technically a member of the Indians, has no clue he's traded. And of course, if you're the Indians or Guardians manager or GM who just made this trade, you kind of like, oh my god, I hope the guy we didn't trade for doesn't get clocked in the face and you know fractures jaw or something. But so that was an awesome moment. But you know, I that didn't even cross my my mind, Max. But that would be a great story because, I mean, it was a hard fall off.
1: Yeah. It really was. I mean, maybe his career's not over in the MLB. I, I mean, it probably is, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, what do you have? Give me your story. What do you think? Well, Who do you think should be ma- have a movie about them?
0: Before I get into the story, the one thing I'll say is if he does make the comeback, then I think you actually have to write the story. If after all that, he does to. come back to the MLB, I think it actually has to be a movie. Uh, rounded third, the baseball podcast, we'll, we'll write it. We'll make it happen. Um, <laughs> so I had to think a lot about about what I wanted to do um, with the story. There there's a couple there's a couple different ideas I'm I'm I've been kicking around. Um, what it would be and I'm not sure any of them have the full circle, you know, the full swing quite like your story did. But there's two almost mini moments and then maybe a full story. The a mini moment, a player whose career I think would just make a great movie and You know, some would say this is biased, but it really wasn't trying to be. But that would be Kenley Jansen. And that's simply because at 19 years old, he was drafted to the Los Angeles Dodgers as a catcher, brought into the system. Look at this catcher from Curacao. He's real nice. He's got a cannon. He tosses runners out at second, just cannon. And he, he stayed with them for two years in their system as a catcher. And then someone goes dude this guy standing on his knees can throw a baseball really hard like just guy can toss a baseball and finally uh rick honeycutt the pitching coach for the Dodgers at the time goes dude get on the mound and they taught him to pitch they taught a 22 year old to pitch and generally mlb pitchers have been throwing baseballs and pitching since they were six or seven years old minimum and they taught him to pitch and he slowly became one of the better closers we've seen over the 10 years. Certainly has had some up and downs, but in just saves, I mean, in pure saves and the ERA splits over the years, he just is one of those. He's a top five closer in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. I think that's a really interesting story just because, like, how, do you, how are you so good at being a catcher that you're drafted as a catcher, but then go on to learn a, a really hard discipline, Later in life or later in a baseball time frame and then become exceptional at that. And then when he would pitch uh, for the Netherlands, um, like world baseball team, he was their starting pitcher because obviously he was the best pitcher that they they had. And he, and he excelled at the role. He would go six, seven innings all the time, which I didn't know he could do because normally if you give him five outs, it's pushing it and he's going to blow it. But that would be a great story, uh,
1: I think. Yeah, I like that. I didn't even know that to be honest and that that is pretty insane that would be interesting to see kind of his, his career arc from coming into the mlb as a catcher and then how it all transformed and then i guess where it goes from there but that's kind of crazy you don't really see that much people changing positions especially that drastic from catcher to pitcher
0: i think that's what's like crazy about it. and right like that first they started okay this is throwing your fastball using that arm strength and now you, now he's just a guy who's just absolutely lethal with that cutter-slider combo. And it, it's just crazy that, like, he got to that level um, coming in as a catcher. So that's also awesome. I would also love if for some random reason, of course, they would never do this, but if they're like, oh, this is Clayton Kershaw's last pitch ever, we're going to have Kenley Jansen go catch this or something, that would be uh, funny to know if he still has it behind the dish, which I've got to imagine he doesn't. Um, that would be fun. I, I think maybe – Yeah, I mean, he's you know that's the thing. I I wouldn't be that worried about it. Uh, Just certainly not a guy I want to toss in every day. It's also bizarre that they made him a catcher because he's huge. Kenley Jansen is gigantic, and his voice is very high pitched, which is also very funny. Go listen, go look at a Kenley Jansen interview real quick. The whole the person, the image of the person, and the voice do not match, especially if you catch him speaking Dutch. Um, That's a side side note, Max. If you'll let me share one more story that I think could make a little thing. So here's one I was thinking about, and this has to be, to me, one of the crazier moments in baseball in the last decade, uh, and this is, would very much be a short movie, but that would be the Brett Phillips Sitchin. I know I talked about him on the cover. God, Brett Phillips fanboy. But he came up in Game 2 of the World Series, and was it Game 2 or Game 3? I don't know how I'm blanking this. Um, game 3. It was Game 3, and he had not taken – A live pitch in an MLB game in 31 days. A full month, did not see. And, you know, yeah, he was getting bad in practice. It's very different, the pressure uh, of an MLB game, yet alone the bottom of the World Series. I mean, this is the bottom of the ninth in the World Series. This is as pressure-ridden as it comes. Hasn't seen a live pitch in 31 days. Smacks a ball to that rolls through could have been fielded that second, potentially didn't it? Chris Taylor's in center field. He just kind of waits on it an air or two later, you know, the game's over. He had a walk off guy. Hasn't seen live pitching in 31 days. I'm thinking most certainly he's about to get struck out. Let's keep moving this game along and get on to the world series. But no, he did. I mean, it's an incredible story. He did what you dream of. Here's, you know, I wouldn't say a nobody, but, the last guy, literally the last guy on their 25-man World Series roster that you are worried about, is the guy who tears you apart and takes a game from you in the World Series. I thought, I thought the Rays after that moment, I thought this is it. The Rays are actually going to do this. I can't believe that just happened. I don't know how you make that a whole movie, but just that little story, awesome.
1: Yeah, definitely. That was such a crazy part of the of the World Series. Um, that was such a, <laughs> that whole series was crazy. But because I mean, it
0: was
1: mental. Go ahead. I, yeah, I mean, I think that wraps it up for the topics we had planned. I mean, this went a little longer than we were expecting. We're already up to the fifty-four minute mark, but four good, co- four good topics that we were able to cover. Um, you know, the, the lockout. We'll just have to see what happens. We all want to see baseball, but Shohei, good news, great game coming out. We were able to touch on some movies we thought were interesting and then cover a great player and what his prospects are like moving forward and, and into Cooperstown. So, James, do you have anything to wrap up episode nine?
0: Yeah, you know, let us know. Tweet at us. I'm really interested. I, I want to talk to some of you in the in the Twitter and the mentions about this Buster Posey. Do you think he's in? Do you think he's not? What's your baseball movie um, that you'd want to see? And And who else? This is a good question. Who else but Shohei? Because I'm I'm lost looking for who else could have even been on that cover, really. Um, so any of those things, just holler at us, let us know. Um, listen, we take any suggestions for topics, and uh, we'll be excited to catch back up with you guys next Friday. Uh, hopefully we have better news about the lockout. Thanks, everyone. Awesome. Talk to you guys next week.